Srimad Bhagavad Gita, chapter 17, text 11. Hapala kangshibir yagyo vidhi dishto ya idjate yashtavyam ebeti mana samadhaya sasatnekaha. Of sacrifices, the sacrifice performed according to the direction of scripture as a matter of duty by those who desire no reward is of the nature of goodness. And read the translation again. To perform one's duty without being attached is the high standard of following dharma. We find that this concept of duty is very prominent in traditional Indian culture. I first came to India in 1976 and to stay in this area in 1977. So uh, at that time I often had the experience that people would help me in various ways and I would say thank you to them. And uh, for instance I would ask them directions how to go to such and such a place. And uh, so when they told me, I would say thank you, because in our British culture, if one person does something to help another, it is one is supposed to say thank you to to express British. to express gratefulness. British Bangladesh. But uh, you know, translating today. But. Mm. Often when I would say thank you, people would look surprised and they would say, you don't need to thank me, it is my duty. So in Indian culture, expressing thank you, thank you, thank you all the time, it's not, it's not there. It's just expected that one helps another as a matter of duty. And this sense of duty is so uh, deeply ingrained. It's very deeply ingrained that many times I've seen that uh, just like I will be sitting down and persons who are in social status junior to me, they will be standing up. And I will ask them that you please sit, but they will not sit. Yeah, Mariada. They are following the proper social etiquette that... Uh, they, they feel that it is not proper for them to sit in the presence of a superior. So this sense of duty is very much central to Indian culture. And now that is being replaced by the asuric sense of just enjoy yourself and it doesn't matter about anyone else. You have all perceived this cultural change? Probably the, how everyone now it's more more and more everyone is just acting for me myself and me nah. three people me myself and me <laughs> so have you noticed this how it's becoming very prominent in society yes. you've noticed this is it yeah well this is salem which is very backward compared to not progressive <laughs> if you go to bangalore or Chennai, or, uh, especially Bangalore, Delhi, Bombay, these cities are very progressive. It means very degraded. <laughs> but that original culture is based on this principle given in this verse of following one's duty.
This principle springs from sattvagun, from the mode of goodness. This is the, uh, of, of the three gunas, sattvagun, rajagun, tamagun, this is by far the most elevated. In, in tamagun especially, which is very prominent in the modern world, people uh, perform harmful activities to others. And they even perform harmful activities to themselves. Can you think of any examples of people performing harmful activities to themselves? Can anyone think? They have a rope and they beat themselves with a rope. Well, that's in the uh, those in Maharam that the Muslims do that. Begging, begging, yeah. Okay. Smoking. I was thinking of that one. I wasn't thinking of any such gross example as that. Typosum, you can see they do. But uh, smoking, it's a very common thing. In Maharam, that certain, who's that, Shia, they they beat themselves with uh, chains and all kinds of things. Yes, swords and they cut themselves. But a very common example is smoking, which it's actually, it's very harmful to the health, but people do it anyway. So this is in the, this is absolutely tamasic. So the mode of goodness is quite the opposite, that one will sacrifice himself for the benefit of others. Yaga mana panvayil, But even that's not, the sacrifice means dedicate, it means like uh, uh, how do I say, here is ah. Uh, it's not exactly the same as tiara. He will, he will, he will make, he will take trouble for the sake of others. I don't know. I don't know Tamil, but it doesn't. The sense implied by tiag is not exactly the same thing. A very prominent uh, feature of traditional Indian culture is the position of women. So in, in, the, in the modern age, they say that, well, women should be very free and do whatever they like. But previously in Indian culture, women were adored because their position as mothers, they were so much self-sacrificing. Maybe they didn't have the freedom of modern women to ride around on scooters and to laugh and joke on the streets with different men. But they were tremendously respected and they had self-respect also. This, uh, nowadays people, they have so much freedom to indulge in sense gratification, but they, they're so much, they're very dissatisfied at heart, and they don't love anyone, they don't even like themselves, they hate themselves even. They have no uh, principles to live by. So people feel disgusted with themselves. So no one respects anyone else because no one has anything to be respected for. Nowadays parents are complaining, my children don't respect me. One reason is that the parents don't act in any way that is respectable. If the parents themselves are absolutely greedy for material gains, they never teach their, they, they never teach either by their personal example uh, how to their children how to lead a religious or godly life. If the parents' only goal of life is simply how to get money and then sit in front of a TV set for half their life. If they have no depth of personality, or here you would say charitram. Charitram. Do you say that in Tamil? No, here it means character also. Character. 
Self-control, tapasya, shocham cleanliness, tolerance, straightforward non-diplomatic behavior, um, knowledge, cultivating spiritual knowledge, and uh, ability to practically guide others. So, uh, not everyone by nature has got all these qualities, but at least there should be some in human society who have these qualities. And then others who are uh, predominantly in the mode of passion, like the Kshatriyas, or uh, Vaishyas who are of the mixed modes of passion and ignorance, or Shudras who are predominantly of the mode of ignorance, they can all take guidance from the Brahmanas and become benefited. And the Kshatriyas, Vaishyas and Shudras, they, uh, to as much as they can, within their capacity, they follow the culture of the Brahmanas. The Shudras are in the mode of ignorance, but they, they are still, in a, although the mode of ignorance is the lowest mode, the Shudras are still higher than the Antyajas. Antyaja, they're also called Pancham, um, that means the the uh, Lecha, Yavana, Chandal. So the Shudras, they are higher than them because the Shudras, at least they agree to follow the codes of Varnashram society. Whereas others are not even within the scope of any guidance. So this uh, Vedic culture was maintained over many centuries by the uh, ideal guidance of Brahmanas. Unfortunately, uh, various changes within society precipitated the downfall of Brahminical culture. And that meant the downfall of the whole of Vedic culture because the Brahmanas are the upholders of the Vedic culture. Now, there are various factors which cause the downfall of the Brahminical culture. That is uh, generally ascribed to the fault of the Brahmanas themselves who uh, lost their position on the mode of goodness and used their elevated position to um, exploit others. And that can also be ascribed to the influence of the age of Kali, which is, after all, not meant for cultivating the mode of goodness, but rather for the influence of the mode of ignorance. And it's said that the beginning of the downfall of the Brahmana class came when the personality of Kali influenced Shringi, the Brahmana son of Shamika Rishi, to uh, un improperly curse Parikshit Maharaj, who as the Rajarshi was the projector of Brahminical principles. Whatever it may be, the fact is that 
it's very difficult to find a real Brahmana nowadays. And even persons who are born in respectable Brahminical lineages and who would like to follow their own Brahminical culture are forced by economic constraints to live uh, at least economically like Shudras by taking payment from others. There are persons born in Brahmana families, both uh, Vaishnav and Smarta, who would like to follow their original culture and, and live as Brahmanas, but find themselves constrained by economic needs to use the, the good intelligence they have inherited, which is meant for studying Shastra, to instead become um, computer software engineers in many cases, or lawyers, or whatever. So this, uh, very, there are so many factors in the downfall of this very elevated culture. Actually, Sattvagun, of which Brahmanas are the emblem, that, in it, that, even though it's so elevated, that even is not the perfection of life. One has to go beyond even Sattvagun to the platform of pure, unmotivated devotional service. Nevertheless, the uh, Brahmanas, they are uh, much praised for their upholding at least Sattvagun, even if they're not fully Vaishnavas. Because if Brahmanas can uh, simply direct their good qualities towards the service of the Supreme Lord, then very easily they can come to the Paramahamsa status. Unfortunately, this uh, the present situation is a long way from that of even 20 years ago. <laughs> Society has been in a state of regress for many hundreds of years, practically since the age of the Kali Yoga. Some uh, several hundred years ago, Vedanta Deshika Acharya, from here in the, this, uh, news, yeah, from Cholanada. So he he wrote, uh, he he made a comment when he visited Varanasi, how the society was becoming so much degraded there, how people there were losing their Vedic culture. Now, if we today were transported to that time and that place, we would think, oh, such a high culture. If we today were now transported to that time and place, we would marvel at such a high culture. Even in the Western countries, people were, to a large extent, highly religious. Someone recently produced a book on the... Uh, American Civil War, which took place a little over 200 years ago. So their historical account was uh, compiled mostly from the letters they had found written by the soldiers. And they said that they had they'd rewritten the letters in the book because modern people couldn't understand that the letters that the soul, ordinary soldiers were writing to their wives were of such high theological content that people nowadays couldn't understand them. That people was just ordinary people, whether they were on the north side or the south side, they were so much absorbed in study of the Bible. It was their daily talk. They would always be discussing it. Still you find... 
in the West, a few people, and in India, actually, the Christians more, that they'll quote the Bible. They're actually very, some of them very learned in the Bible. Although nowadays, uh, the situation both in the West and India is a long way from that primarily religious culture that it used to be. In the last century, one uh, Englishman, he noted in writing that throughout the whole of North India, that every man, he, in, his, in the course of his daily talk, he will be constantly quoting from Ram Charitmanas. Ram That means the, what's called the Hindi Ramayana. The Ramayana. No, it's not Indian, it's not Ramayana. But they Hindi call it, Ramayana. They call it the Hindi Ramayana. This, uh, in, other, in other words, the, the religious culture was so deeply part of life. There was life. So that uh, religious culture was that was so strong. Even I remember reading before I came to this movement. I read some book about yoga, and it was written by a Westerner who had been in India. And they were quoting some Christian priest who said that there is no country in the world where people are as religious as in India. That in every bus, in every house, in every room, there are so many pictures of different devas and. Like and people's consciousness, their whole way of life is just based on uh, religious progress. So things have changed a lot. Still that feeling is there, any bogus guru comes and they make an advertisement and so many thousands of people will come. But mostly we find uh, in India nowadays, as all over the world, people, their main thought is just money, money, money and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And the most popular gurus are those who teach you how to concentrate your mind and relax and, and in this way feel very peaceful so you can go on making money and enjoying it. Nothing spiritual. And they even announce proudly that you know, there's nothing religious about it. There's nothing religious about relaxing the mind. This is not a religion. So they dress as swamis, they have a long beard like a swami, and they, they project themselves fully as swamis, and then they, they say, well, this is for mind relaxation, and it's nothing to do with religion. And they, they say, I will not, I'm not going to teach you anything, but I'll just give you some idea how you can adjust your life better, whatever you're doing. But guru must teach. He must teach what is the truth, otherwise simply cheating. But these people, are, they'll, they'll stand up and say, I'm not here to teach you anything. And then they'll go and teach you someone how to relax your mind and so many things. And uh, people are so foolish, they go along with it all. So there is a very great need for real brahmanas, really committed persons, to bring human society back to the real focus on Krishna. People, some so-called gurus are teaching how to be good, how to be nice, but they have no real idea because they don't base it upon Shastra. So they'll maybe go to see some big fat Amma who embraces them and talks about love. And uh, because they want to be cheated, they feel this nonsense, a nonsense feeling of so-called love. And then they'll go home and, you know, if they have enough money, they'll eat some meat. So this is all nonsense. What is this mean? Simply love and eating meat. So these people are very serious cheaters, even though people think that they are very good people. Because in the name of love and goodness and tolerance, they're actually 
encouraging people to go on with sinful life. So it's very much needed that there are some real spiritual guides in human society who themselves uh, set the highest standard of proper behavior and who are very clear in understanding what is proper and what is not proper according to the standard of Shastra. Such persons, they can actually act as gurus to human society. If you are fortunate enough to get the guidance of such persons, you should take it fully. One bona fide Vaishnava Brahmana is worth following, should be followed, even by giving up the association of even cause of ignorant people of this world. So never mind what everyone else is doing. Reject it if it's not leading us towards Krishna, which it isn't. Never mind about being acceptable by normal societal standards. We should not be concerned about conforming to the opinions of even cross of misguided people. If we can recognize who is actually situated on the path of transcendence and follow that person or people, there may not only be one, then that is the path of our supreme auspiciousness. We are asking people to follow principles that are congruous with that of traditional Indian culture but incongruous with that of modern Indian life. We are asking, for instance, people to follow no illicit sex. Traditionally, these things wouldn't be discussed publicly in India. But now it's discussed in every newspaper, magazine, TV, the children at school and everything. In fact, that's probably what the children at school discuss more than anything else. So to purify this discussion, we shall also discuss it according to that perspective of the Shastra. That we are demanding no illicit sex. If you want to satisfy Krishna, then you can't, you have to forget about satisfying your genital. So sometimes the married members of our Krishna conscious movement, if they want to practice this, as they should, then their parents or even their spouses will object. And they'll say, are you crazy? Then what's the point of getting married if you don't engage in sex every night? They don't know that marriage is meant for a higher principle, not simply for indulging in activities that the dogs do so on the street without marriage. Or we say no meat eating and people think, well, this is, this is very bad. Even sometimes people follow the four regulated principles, but they have tremendous difficulty not to have a mustache because they're afraid their friends will think that, well, you're not a man if you don't have a mustache. Which is ridiculous. Because you're a man, you don't become a eunuch by not having a moustache. But they have some social convention that you should show some hair on your upper lip. And because people are more afraid of following the social conventions of foolish people than following the simple request of the Vaishnava Acharyas, then they cannot, they cannot, they cannot but uh, succumb to the influence of foolish people. So practically speaking, our Krishna conscious movement is against everything that the demoniac society has to offer. 
We're against the whole concept of your society. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. We're against your whole education system. We're against your laws which say that girls can't be married till they're 18. It's a, because this is against Shastra. You, then you're mar- allowed to marry not until you're 18 and then you can divorce. We're against this also. So many things. Apparently everything we're against because the whole modern society is demoniac. So Srila Prabhupada wanted to make a new class of brahmanas who are not simply social brahmanas but who are transcendental brahmanas, fit to guide society. So generally now in our ISKCON society one can be initiated as a brahmana when he has studied some shastra, bhakti shastri degree like this. Although that is essential to study Srila Prabhupada's books, simply to study them is not all in all. One may study them just like people they're used to studying for their exam. So they study Prabhupada's books and then they see the question, okay, this is the answer. But really the uh, approach must be Guru Mukha Padmavaka Chitete Kariya Aika Anakariya That we really accept the words of our Acharya as absolute truth, one with our heart, not simply, yes, this is the answer, I got 95%. So we are holding our classes here and a few people are coming. But actually this requires to be done uh, in a very much greater way, greater quantitatively and qualitatively. It means we want to teach many more people and in much greater depth. Anyway, we are praying to Krishna to uh, enlighten the people and understand what is the importance of this Krishna conscious movement. Mostly people are on a very shallow and superficial level. And therefore, that is proven by the fact that they are attracted to so many shallow and superficial so-called spiritual leaders. What is that verse? Mokhasha, Mokhukarmanam, Mokhujyana, Vichetasa, Rajasim, Asarin, Chaiva. Mokhasim, Mohinin, Shritaha. Persons who are deluded, they are attracted by demoniac and atheistic views. In that condition, their hopes for advancement by furtive activities or intellectual progress are all frustrated. So we are hoping that people will become more frustrated. People are suffering in material life. Still, they are complacently feeling that, well, I'll just make some little adjustment, then everything will be okay. So, we are praying to the goddess presiding over this material world, Devi, that she will increase the pressure on her children. Amma. Amma, you say in Tamil. Let people suffer more. And then they may have the sense to understand that this so-called Kalki avatar or so-called Amma, this fat fisherwoman, they're all completely useless. They can't help them at all, which is the fact. Now the Supreme Lord's kindness is present in this world as the Hare Krishna movement. But in general, people are not taking it very seriously. Or even if they like it, they take it superficially. Oh yes, very nice temple. I saw you have a very nice temple. And that's it. They go, very nice temple, I gave a thousand and one rupees donation and come back. So we are praying that the Supreme Lord manifests His kindness in the form of tremendous 
material suffering so that people can realize actually there is no happiness in this material world I should join the Hare Krishna movement and we are also praying that the members of the Krishna Conscious movement join the Krishna Consciousness movement that those who have uh, accepted the path of Krishna Consciousness will stop looking outside to see how nice things are outside it and give up their affection for everything which is not in connection with Krishna and simply do what they're supposed to do which is to surrender without reservation at the lotus feet of Krishna Vera. you all ready for that? Yes. it's easy to say yes are you actually ready? it's not. It's actually not difficult but it's just that we're attached to so many monsters Hare Krishna are there any questions? Whether to be in the material world and be spiritual or to discard that material uh, uh, situations and then come to spirituality. What is suitable for one may not be suitable for another. Whatever situation you are in, chant Hare Krishna, study Srila Prabhupada's books. Actually, everyone should simply come out of material life and fully surrender to Krishna. But, because realistically speaking, not everyone is ready for that. So it is not recommended for everyone. One should... Uh, the point is that whatever situation we are in, we should be very serious about surrendering to Krishna. For further personal guidance, you please consult our devotees here who have dedicated their lives to Krishna and who can guide you how to do the same. Any other question? Guru Maharaj, many times when we discuss these things with people, people agree that material life is useless and that is just cheating and they are suffering. But they, they feel that there is no hope, there is no other way. What they are doing, they have to go on, and that is, you know, there is no solution, and they are, you know, they get on that strength to, you know, cut it off or don't have, don't know what to do. What is? If you don't know what to do, then to give them association, show them we have something better. If they're feeling like that, then give them a set of Prabhupada's books. Tell them there is good hope. Give them books, give them association. Anything else? Hmm, please. Nowadays, sadhus are interfered with their politics in the country. Nowadays, sadhus are interfering with politics. Is it correct or not? there are two points to be considered here. One thing is if they give the correct guidance, that is very good. But for that, they will have themselves to know what is correct and what is not correct. Another point is that their motivation has to be correct. If they themselves simply want name and fame, then they cannot properly guide others. Our own Srila Prabhupada was ready to guide politicians, although he never got involved in politics.
if you're talking about the Ram Janmabhumi issue, that's very complex. It's complex because there are some, if we examine according to the point of, of from the perspective of the Shuddha Vaishnava Siddhanta, the pure devotional Vaishnava understanding, then there are some good things being promoted and some not so good things mixed up. The, uh, the genuine religious demands are being mixed up with uh, envy of certain other people. Although we agree that a temple of Lord Ram should be reconstructed at Ram Janmabhumi, it is more important to teach people to follow the principles of Lord Ram. It is not a... It is not a very great glory to construct a temple of Lord Ram if all the people, uh, their, their behavior is totally uh, deviated from that ideal of Lord Ram. So although, uh, you know, I'm not against, the, not at all against, I'd like to see a temple of Lord Ram at Ram Jamabhumi, and in fact, on every, I'd like to see one at every street corner. But I, I'm more interested in that uh, the demoniac influence that's coming from the TV and the educational system, that be cut out, that be more important. So it is good to build a Ram Temple at Ayodhya, but um, at Ram Jamabhumi, there are already Ram Temples there. But they're putting undue importance on this, more as a matter of social prestige of Hindus over Muslims, which is which is not really the most important thing. It's a complex subject. Please speak loudly. I see a lot of sannyasis there in Kaupina. What is important that you have in the future? Kaupina. Anyone saying Tamil? What is the importance of coping in spiritual life? It is said to help in sense control. It is not the main feature of spiritual life, but it is a feature. Simply wearing a coping will not make you self-realized. Although if you're interested in self-realization, then you may or may not, generally you may, adopt a coping, which is one of the many factors which uh, may be a subsidiary aid on the path of self-realization. Most important is to chant the names of Krishna. That is millions of times more important than wearing copins. But seeing as you have to wear something and a copin is better than uh, you know, just wearing some shorts or whatever, then male vairagis, uh, they prefer to wear copin. Yeah, uh, as the saying, as the ISKCON saying goes, 
sex life is meant for procreation, not recreation. That the natural result of sex life is children. So when you desire to have children, then you engage in sex life. Otherwise not. Otherwise that will distract the mind away from Krishna. When uh, husband and wife are agreed to have a child, then they do some special puja, pray to Krishna that you please send a devotee of Krishna. Then they unite. That is religious sex life. That is glorious. But simply uh, like cats and dogs, then they will fight with each other like cats and dogs also. Because their consciousness is on that level. They say that uh, sex is an expression of love. This is a modern stupid idea. But actually those who, uh, even in marriage, those who are constantly having sex, they can never have respect or affection for each other. They can never be happy with each other. Because their relationship is based on the very lowest principle. So it is absolutely wrong propaganda that they're making in the modern age that you'll become more happy by sex. It's not, it's absolutely the opposite is true. Please, I'll just take this question. Is there any relationship between our Atma and their brain? Atma and? And brain. Brain, brain. There is no eternal relationship between the Atma and the body of which the brain is part. The question is, is there any question between the relationship between the Atma and the brain? But temporarily, as long as we are in any particular body, the Atma, due to identification with that body, uh, expresses itself through that body. So there is no eternal relationship between the Atma and the brain. We are only in the body for a very short time. But as long as a particular Jiva is in a particular body, uh, that for that amount of time only, the, uh, the Jiva Atma appears to have a very intimate and intricate relationship with the body and the brain, although it's only temporary. When the Atma leaves a particular body, the body rots or is burned, the brain also. So we can understand that the Atma is eternal, the body is not. So there is no actual intrinsic relationship between the Atma and the brain. This, this subject, consciousness studies, is becoming, both in the West and in the East, it's becoming a, um, a, st it's becoming a subject of modern science. They're studying actually what is consciousness, because they can understand that consciousness is not simply a function of the brain. It's independent of the, it's uh, independent of the brain, it's... Um, it's above the function simply of the brain. What is consciousness? That the brain can process, appears to process various mental functions, but the consciousness which perceives or which directs those various mental functions, the consciousness is independent of the intelligence. You follow that point that we think various things, but who is thinking, who is perceiving those thoughts, or the consciousness that is perceiving those thoughts, is independent of the thoughts. 
This is stated in Bhagavad Gita. Indriyani Paranyaho Indriyebhya Parangmanaha Manasastu Parabhuddhya Yobhudhe Parachastu Saha Lord Krishna analyzes that the the senses are superior to matter. The mind is superior to the senses. The intelligence, which is similar to the mind, is nevertheless superior to it. But superior even to the intelligence is the Atma. And Krishna, in elsewhere in the Gita, Krishna elaborately explains that superior to the individual Jivatma is the Paramatma Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So, this lady had a question. Hindu gods are more, but why we are giving Okay, let, let's take one question at a time. Right? I'll, I'll take one at a time. There are, the question is, there are many Hindu gods, so why here do we give stress on Krishna? Well, this is because of what is stated in Shastra, particularly in Bhagavad Gita which is accepted by all the great Acharyas, Shankaracharya, Ramanujya Acharya, Madhva Acharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and so on. For instance, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna states, that above me or equal to me, there is no one or nothing. I am supreme. Apart from that, even with our intuitive intelligence, we can understand that there must be one supreme there may be many great personalities, but one has to be supreme. So, this is a very big subject, but a, a, it's very clear from Bhagavad Gita and from actually from all Shastra that that supreme is Krishna. And that all devas are subordinate to he who is known as Deva Deva. Deva means who is worshipable. Deva Deva, which is a name for Krishna, means he who is worshipped by those who are worshipped by others. Then your second question? It's a big topic. I'll refer you to some books. We should get the science of we have science of self-realization Bhagavad Gita. Can we bring a few copies here? Science of Yeah, then one one is having two sides so what is best? Spiritual life or Samudai Seva? Samudai Seva. Social service. Well, I'm glad that you've made a distinction because many people, they think the two things are the same. So it's you recognize there's a difference. Spiritual means that which is eternal. Service to society on the material platform is temporary. For instance, if you feed a hungry person, he'll very soon be hungry again. Or even if you train someone to be, for instance, an engineer, if you build a big engineering college up in the hills, um, then there's no guarantee he's going to get a job. And even if he gets a job, there's no guarantee he's going to be happy. Probably he won't be anyway. And even if he does get a job and he's happy, he has to die and probably become a cat or a dog. (laughs) So really we should try to do that which is the highest and the best. So that which is actually on the spiritual platform, that is for our eternal benefit. That will bring us guaranteed 
happiness because that is the nature of the Atma, Satchit Anandaman. So spiritual, real spiritual life which is Krishna consciousness means that which is for our highest and eternal well-being. And actually we can do the highest good to human society. Real Samodai Seva, social service, is to give people this knowledge. So by far the best social service, better than opening millions of hospitals or schools or feeding crores of hungry people, is to give people knowledge 